Well, good morning, church family. Once again, we have the joy of gathering around God's Word together and uh, continuing on in our study of Acts. We're going to look at Acts chapter 18 this morning, verses 24 through verse 28. The message is entitled, The Rest of the Story. One of my favorite memories growing up from childhood is riding in my granddad's truck. I called him Papa, and we would climb up in the truck. We would travel different places. Uh, Even growing up as a teenager, they moved away, but I would go visit them and get to ride in the truck with them. And there's, there's two things I remember from my childhood with my grandfather, and they all revolve around riding in his truck. The first is being introduced to Jerry Clower, the Christian comedian. Loved listening to Jerry Clower. Always when I climbed in my granddad's truck, he'd have Jerry Clower tapes playing. Tapes, that was back in the day when tapes were a thing, not CDs and not uh, radio or MP3 or anything like that. But we would listen to Jerry Clower tapes. And then the other thing my granddad loved to listen to was Paul Harvey. He would listen to Paul Harvey on the radio, and if I don't know if you uh, know who Paul Harvey is or maybe remember who Paul Harvey is, but he had uh, just a unique ability to tell an incredible story. He was a news anchor for a while, and yet he also came on the radio and he would share what he called the rest of the story. So he would unpack for uh, the listeners an incredible story, but he would hold off to the very end this last little bit of information. And sometimes it was the fact that this story uh, was involving some major political figure or something like that. And he would share that last piece of information and he would close it out and say, now you know the rest of the story. What we're going to see in Acts chapter 18 is this man by the name of Apollos. He's going to be someone who is going to be central to the life of the early church He's going to be an incredible uh, servant that God uses to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we're going to encounter him early on before he's heard the full message of the gospel. He's going to hear the rest of the story, and it's going to transform his life. So I want to read for us the text, Acts chapter 18, beginning in verse 24. We'll walk through verse 28, and then we'll come back together and look at what the text says this morning. So let's look at Acts chapter 18, beginning in verse 24. Luke records, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. 
as we walk through the text, I want you to write down this main idea that'll frame our time together this morning. And it's this truth, we desperately need a fully developed understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We desperately need a fully developed understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's look at the text, and I want us to focus in, first and foremost, verses 24 and 25. And here's the truth we see in these two verses, that Apollos was passionate, but his message was deficient. He was passionate, but his message was deficient. Look at verse 24. This is what Luke records. A Jew named Apollos was a native of Alexandria. Now that holds importance because Alexandria was a pretty important city in the Roman world. In fact, there was a college there, a university there, and there was also the Library of Alexandria. Some 700,000 volumes were there. It was a very educated city, a very learned city. This is the city that Apollos was from. But he was also a Jew, and about 25% of the population of Alexandria were Jews. And so he was from a very well-educated city. He was part of 25% of the population, a very thriving Jewish community in the city of Alexandria. And it says that he was an eloquent man, meaning that he was gifted in communication. So you have Apollos. This is when we're first introduced to him. It says that he was also competent in the scriptures. So for Apollos, the scriptures were the Old Testament. He was learned in the scriptures. He would have been catechized, would have been taught the scriptures. And evidently for him, he was eloquent in being able to explain the scriptures. So you've got this picture of this well-educated, very devout Jew who is able to teach incredibly well and is thoroughly uh, saturated with the Old Testament. And it says that he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he was fervent in spirit, and he spoke and he taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. Now, let's just pause there for a second, because what that means is that he understood that the scriptures, the Old Testament, had said a Messiah was coming, that God's promise beginning in Genesis 3.15 was that he would send a Messiah, a Savior, through the Jewish people who would save the people from their sins. That was the expectation. And for Apollos, as a learned Jew, as a well-spoken Jew, as a very educated Jew, understood the Old Testament, and he knew that the Old Testament pointed to this Messiah that was to come. So he is teaching, he is proclaiming, he is passionate in his message that the Old Testament is promising that a Messiah is going to come. So he is teaching that, he is proclaiming that, he is broadcasting that. But notice, this is what the last part of verse 25 says. He knew only the baptism of John. So I want you to notice what's going on here. For Apollos, he is proclaiming there's a Messiah to come, but he doesn't have any idea that the Messiah has come. He doesn't understand yet that Jesus is the fulfillment 
of all the Old Testament promises that God had made to his people. He doesn't yet understand that Jesus is the Messiah that the Jewish people have been waiting for. And so at this point, Apollos is proclaiming nothing more than the message that John the Baptist proclaimed prior to Jesus coming and revealing himself to John. He's saying, you need to turn from your sin and you need to look for and prepare yourself for the coming of the Lord. You need to prepare your hearts for the long-awaited Messiah. He is going to come. God has promised that he's going to send him. We need to be in a posture. We need to be in ready for the Messiah to come. So he doesn't yet know the rest of the story. He's passionate in what he's proclaiming, but his message is deficient. He doesn't understand that there is fulfillment to these promises, and that fulfillment is found in Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, the Messiah sent to save the world. And so as we look at verse 24 and 25, we see that Apollos was passionate, but his message was deficient. I want you to notice in verse 26 that Apollos was bold, but humbly receptive to the truth of the gospel. Notice with me in verse 26, it says that he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. So he is proclaiming this message, this deficient message. He doesn't yet know the rest of the story. He knows only that it's time to prepare for the Messiah to come. He is proclaiming that. He's doing that in the synagogue. Interestingly, Aquila and Priscilla, who we met earlier in the chapter, they are those who Paul had interacted with in Ephesus, they hear Apollos proclaiming this message, and immediately they know, we know the rest of the story. We know that the Messiah has come, that the Messiah is Jesus. We know that that is the fulfillment of all of God's promises, and we need to bring Apollos aside, and we need to share with him the truth of the gospel. And I want you to notice that when they do that, Apollos doesn't push them away. He doesn't say to them, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm speaking of. In fact, he is humbly receptive to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what we find out is that he responds to the message of the gospel. He trusts Jesus Christ as his Savior, that he is the long-awaited Messiah. We know that because as we continue on in verse 27, we see the third truth in the text that Apollos was a powerful communicator, but he was purposeful in his proclamation. What we see happening is that after Aquila and Priscilla pull him aside, share the gospel of Jesus Christ with him, give him the rest of the story, he trusts Jesus as his Savior, and he says, I need to go to Corinth. I need to share the gospel there. I need to build up the believers there. I need to make sure that the Jews who are there have heard this rest of the story, that they know who Jesus Christ is. And so it says in verse 27 that he wished to cross to Achaia. That's the area that is most closely associated with Corinth. And so he's looking to go there. The brothers encouraged him. And since Aquila and Priscilla were from that location, they in fact write a letter to the believers there in Corinth to say, you need to 
welcome Apollos in. You need to allow him to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. His life has been transformed. He now knows the rest of the story and give him an opportunity as eloquent and passionate and gifted as he is, as learned as he is. He's going to be a powerful communicator of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it says when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public. But notice this, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So he was a powerful communicator, but he was very purposeful in the message he was communicating. Prior to hearing who Jesus is, he was simply saying, you need to prepare for the Messiah. But now as he's heard the full message of the gospel, as he's heard who Jesus Christ is, his proclamation has taken on new meaning now. He is purposeful as he's sharing the gospel in Corinth to point the Jews to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the long awaited one we've waited for, that the Old Testament had proclaimed would come. He has come. He is making it possible today for us to be saved from our sins, to be brought in right relationship with our Heavenly Father. You know, it's amazing that uh, just these short five verses give us a picture of what it means to have just a small piece, not enough of the gospel to transform lives And then what happens as a result when the full message of the gospel is proclaimed? For Apollos, it transformed his life, and ultimately God used him in incredible and powerful ways to transform other people's lives as he proclaimed, as he heralded the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as we take a few minutes to continue to worship together, I want you to reflect on that truth that we saw in the text for Apollos, that he didn't know the rest of the story. He didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know the full message of the gospel. But when he heard it, when he believed it, you couldn't keep him from sharing it with someone else. Let's worship together. We've had a chance to walk through Acts chapter 18, verse 24 through 28, to look at Apollos and him not knowing the full story of who Jesus was, but recognizing, being taught by Aquila and Priscilla that Jesus was the Christ, he was the Messiah, and that that revolutionized, transformed Apollos' life. Now, as we think about the text, I want us to focus in on some points of application, to think about how this text applies in our own lives as we think about what it means to have the full story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what I want to ask of you is just to simply pause and ask yourself the question, what is the gospel? What is the message of the gospel? You know, as we've been walking our way through the book of Acts, that's been a question that we've been talking about pretty often. It's been the focus of the book of Acts since Jesus left the earth since he ascended to the heavens, gave his disciples the mission of making disciples, of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, of transforming the world through the power of the gospel. We've seen the gospel message proclaimed in city after city after city. We've seen it transform lives. But what is the gospel? What is that Message. I think for us as believers, sometimes we just assume the gospel. Sometimes we don't really think about what is that message that we're actually proclaiming. 
So the word gospel simply means good news. It's a message of good news. Well, what is that good news? It's the truth that we as human beings were created by God and meant to have a relationship with him. We've talked about this before, that there is a God-shaped hole in every human heart that only God can fill, only a relationship with him can fill. And that's what God intends for us to have a meaningful life. The way we are intended is in relationship with him. We were created for that. We were wired for that. But sin separates us from God. So when Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis chapter 3, we know that sin shattered that perfect relationship with their heavenly father. And as a result of that, sin infiltrated every single human heart. And so for us, we are separated from God because of sin that's present in our life. Every single person is separated from God because of sin. But the good news, the crescendo in all of this is that Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, stepped foot out of heaven, came to this earth, lived a perfectly sinless life, took your sin and my sin, the sin that separates us from God, took it on his shoulders on the cross and paid the debt that we owed. The wages of sin, the scriptures tell us, is death. But Jesus took our death, he took our sin, paid the price for that sin, and makes it possible if we trust in him, if we believe in him, in his life, death, burial, and resurrection, we can be forgiven of our sin, brought in right relationship with our Heavenly Father, and live the life we were intended to live. That is the message of the gospel. It's a message that if you're a Christian, you believe that. You know that that is what has transformed your life. And we've talked about as we've been walking our way through the book of Acts, that that is what transforms other people's lives, that people are far from God as a result of sin. But we as believers have this message of hope, have this message that is good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So for us, we need to know what the gospel is. We as believers should, in 60 seconds or so, be able to share what the gospel is with someone else. I want us to think about, too, as we look at Apollos' life, that he only knew just a, a part of the story. He knew just a little bit. He didn't know the full picture. He didn't know the rest of the story of who Jesus was and what he came to do and that salvation was possible through him. But I want us to think about where might we be deficient in our understanding of the gospel? So we know that for Apollos, he was deficient in his understanding of God's word and God's truth. He knew just part of it. He didn't know all of it. But, but what about for us as believers? Where might we be deficient in our understanding of the gospel? Now, as we think about that, let's just go ahead and say, as we've said before, that we know where the culture's deficiencies are in their understanding. Many people in the culture say, I can't believe you would say that salvation's only possible through Jesus Christ that the only way someone can be saved is to trust in him to forgive them of their sins. So they struggle with the exclusivity of the gospel. They think any religion's okay. That's any possible way to get to God. But we know that that's not what the Bible teaches. We know that's not what the scriptures teach. And so it's easy for us to spot that and say, nope, that's deficient. That's not the full message of the gospel. But think about this for us as believers. There's times, I think, when we don't have a full 
grasp of the message of the gospel. Here's where I think we get it right and what's easy for us to think about oftentimes. I think we look and we recognize that the message of the gospel saves us from our sin. So if we trust in Jesus, Jesus forgives us of our sins. Now we know that that's true. We know that that's what Christ's death and resurrection accomplishes for us, that Christ took our sin upon himself, that he paid the debt that we owed. So yes, the message of the gospel is a message that says we can be saved from our sins. But here's a vital question. What are we saved to? So we know what we're saved from. We're saved from our sin, but what are we saved to? You see, if we don't put both of those together, we'll have a bit of a deficient message of the gospel and what it's all about. We'll say we're saved from our sins, and and then what? Are we just kind of in a holding pattern until we die and go to heaven or until Jesus comes back, and we're just kind of waiting things out and hoping for the best? I don't think it's that at all. We're saved from our sin, but Jesus says we're saved to abundant life in Christ. Now, there's some who have taken that and said abundant is primarily material. And so for us, if we're saved to abundant life, it means that we're going to have perfect health. We're going to have great wealth. We're not going to have any problems. That's called a prosperity gospel message, and that's not what the scripture teaches So then what does Jesus mean when he says that he came to give us life and to give us life abundantly? Well, think about this. As we said before, in what the message of the gospel is, we started off in saying that we were created by God, meant to have a relationship with him. And so sin separates us from that. But salvation not only forgives us of our sins, but it makes it possible for us to interact with God the way that we are intended to interact with Him, in relationship with Him. He is our Heavenly Father. We are His children. We are meant to relate to Him in that way. And so when we think about abundant life, abundant life is the privilege, the opportunity, the joy of being able to walk in relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's not primarily about material possessions. It's not about health and wealth and all of those things. It's about we have the privilege as Christians to live life the way God intended for us to live. And that is in relationship with Him, in perfect relationship that sin does not distract us or keep us from our relationship with our Heavenly Father. You know, for us, it's important that we understand that we are saved from our sins, but we are saved to living abundant life in Christ. Those two things must go together or else our gospel is a deficient gospel. It doesn't give us the full picture of what Christ's death means for us and what his resurrection secures for us. And so I want to encourage you, as you think about application from this text, I want you to think, maybe for you, that's kind of been the message that you think the gospel is meant to proclaim. Just simply, you're saved from your sins. It's your get-out-of-hell-free card. You don't have to really worry about that anymore. But it doesn't really transform life. And I want you to know that Jesus comes to transform 
our lives, not just to save us from our sins. Yes, that's vitally important, but it's meant to give us abundant life, meant to give us joy-filled life, meant to give us the life that we were intended to live, and that's in relationship with our Heavenly Father. Here's the last question I want us to think through. How can we, as Apollos did, boldly and purposefully share the full message of the gospel? How do we boldly and purposefully share that message? For Apollos, it transformed his life. And as we said before, he couldn't keep his mouth shut about what Christ had done for him, about the fullness of what the gospel makes possible for us who have been separated from God because of sin. And I want you to know, and I I want myself to know that we too can boldly and purposefully share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. And here's where I think Uh, we make things a little bit too difficult. We think that maybe we need to be like Apollos. Maybe we need to be gifted in the way we communicate. Maybe we need to have a stage to be able to share the message of the gospel. Maybe we need to be learned like he was coming from the city of Alexandria. And, And I don't think any of those things are necessary to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think a very simple way for you and for me to share what Christ has done is simply by sharing our story of Jesus transforming our lives. You are an expert in your story of how Christ transformed your life. You are an expert in how the gospel transformed your heart. And so we can boldly and we can purposefully share our story We can boldly and purposefully share how Christ changed our life. We can boldly and purposefully share how we were separated from God and we were pursuing things that God did not intend for our lives. We were trying to fill up our souls with all of the things that this world has to offer. And those things will never satisfy and never satisfied our lives until we heard the gospel of Jesus Christ that he is the only thing that can satisfy our hearts. And we experience being saved from our sins and bring broad in relationship with our Heavenly Father to live life as it was intended to live. We've experienced that if we've trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior. And that is the message, that is the story that we can share boldly and purposefully with people that we encounter day in and day out. May we be like Apollos. May we share. May we talk about our story. May people hear how great and how amazing and what good news the gospel message is, what Christ has done for us. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and give us an opportunity just to respond to the Lord right now. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example that Apollos sets for us. Father, we're thankful for the message of the gospel, the good news of what Christ has done for us, not just saving us from our sin, but bringing us into right relationship, abundant life in Christ. So Father, for those who are listening right now, watching right now, I want to ask you to help them recognize and see what the gospel message has done in their lives. Father, maybe that they're watching or listening right now and they've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior. And and this is not their testimony yet, but it can be. You can save them right now from their sin if they will simply call out to you. You can bring them in right relationship with you if they'll simply trust in Jesus 
as their Savior, as their Messiah. Father, for us as believers who have taken that step of trusting in you, would you help us to share the message of the gospel boldly and purposefully, that Jesus has come to save people from their sin, but also to give them abundant life, the life they were meant to live in a relationship with their Creator. Father, use us as you used Apollos to transform lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together.